Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. It's actually a very difficult profession because of the ups and downs, because you are essentially responsible for influencing and molding and caring for and protecting and disciplining and inspiring other people's children. It's something that, to me, it feels like a very sacred responsibility when you are a teacher, when you are a coach, because people are putting their trust and faith in you. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Janine Tucker, former head women's lacrosse coach at Johns Hopkins University from 1994 to 2022. Coach Tucker is the all-time winningest coach at Johns Hopkins and in 2021 became the ninth coach in Division I history to achieve 300 wins. The author of six books on coaching in lacrosse, Janine and I discussed the joys of mentoring collegiate athletes, why her coaching philosophy revolves around attitude, mindset, and work ethic, and why playing time does not define your kid. I'm going to give this guest the damn respect that she needs. I don't care if she's retired. She is Coach Tucker, Coach Janine Tucker, after 29 years of kick and tail. Coach Tucker, thank you so much for hopping on. Oh, it's my pleasure, Nick. Absolutely. And I think that I can't even really not get away from Coach Tucker. You know, I've been Coach Tucker for so long. So my girls are all still calling me that, which is really cool. I didn't even think about this, but like, I'll be 44 in a couple of months. um, Mm -hmm. And... You know, I'll hear occasionally like guys that I played with who will call that, not my coaches, but like who would call their own coaches. They'll call them by their first name. And I I hear kids nowadays call their coaches by their first name. And it always kind of like, I can't get comfortable doing that. Like, I just don't know. Does that matter to you if someone calls you Janine or is it coach? Like, how do you differentiate? Actually, it's a great question because, um, you know, I was influenced by Diane Jeffy Akins at Loyola College. I was actually played for Diane and was also able to coach with her for the first couple years of my career before she then encouraged me to take the Hopkins job. And she was always Diane. 
But she was the one who said, Janine, when you take this job at Hopkins, you need to establish yourself as Coach Tucker because you're close in age. I was very young at the, you know, I think I was 25 years old when I got the job at Hopkins. And she said, um, you know, I've been doing this for a little while. Diane works for me, but I really think you need to go by Coach Tucker to have that little bit of separation um, and make sure that the girls understand, you know, there's a little bit of a difference there. And so that was the advice that Diane gave me, even though she was Diane to all of us. I was Coach Tucker the second I, you know, started coaching at Hopkins and it's just stuck. And, you know, I think I'm going to be Coach Tucker kind of forever because I don't think I'll ever be able to stop coaching, you know, so it's cool. That is really cool. Now, 25, I mean, that's super, super young. I mean, you're still young, 29 years. I couldn't believe you were coaching that long um, because you don't certainly look like you were coaching that long. And. And secondly, like, that's a great point that Diane, you said, told you, like, create that separation because leadership is something we talk about a lot. One of my sons was just asking me, you know, he's about to be a senior in his wrestling room and trying to get some guys to engage in the off season. And, you know, how do you establish, I mean, you could just put a slap a, a name on, say I'm coach, but then it's also, I would imagine so much more than that. Like, let's say we could talk about your experience when you were close in age as a young coach with, you know, kids that weren't that much younger than you. And secondly, if you could take it a step further, how do captains or how do leaders in it when you're only a year apart, how do you get those young under, underclassmen to follow you? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with mutual respect. So I think that, you know, what I did when I was first hired, I had a number of seniors who were ex- extremely mature, believe it. I mean, they were just wonderful young women. Sonia Dixon was my captain when I first took the job at Hopkins for field hockey and lacrosse. And I sat down with her and was just very upfront about it and said, listen, I coached a couple of years under Diane Jeffy Akins at Loyola. I feel really excited to take on and lead this program here at Hopkins, which was field hockey and lacrosse at the time. I coached both for the first five years. And I said, I need your buy-in and I'm going to need the senior classes buy-in because your leadership is going to be critical to my transition being your coach. And I will not be your friend until you graduate. So we got to establish this up front. And my senior class at the time was just all in and they wanted the energy. They wanted a, a younger coach to come in and infuse a ton of energy. They wanted discipline. They wanted structure. They wanted joy. They wanted excitement. So I listened to what my upperclassmen wanted. And I said, okay, I got you. Now you got to have my back um, because, you know, I'm not out here to have it be where I'm one of the girls, you know, I am coaching you and I want you to make sure that we understand there's difference, but whenever you need me, I'll always be there for you. And so it worked out really beautifully. So on the same, in the same sense, how would you recommend like, you know, someone who's an up and coming senior, let's say in high school or whatever, in college, however, and they're trying to establish themselves. How do you get those, those underclassmen to buy in? It's honestly, a lot of it is intrinsic, Nick. Like it's how you carry yourself. It's your body language. It's your tone of voice, the eye contact, eye contact that you make. To be honest, I knew I was going to get into coaching when I was a junior at Loyola College. And I think it even stemmed back into high school because I was um, named team captains for the teams that I played on. And so that gave me Um, a taste of leadership and a taste of additional responsibility and how important it was to be a great teammate and to motivate your teammates and to have to be a role model because you have this title of captain. So that kind of separated you a little bit, um, at least the way that my coaches in high school and college, you know, asked us to take on that role. So I think that's where it started for me was being able to be a captain as a junior and a senior for field hockey and lacrosse at Loyola 
really put me in a leadership role. And and I do believe you kind of have to walk the talk. You have to, through your body language, your eye contact, you know, how you, how intentional you are with the conversations you have with your teammates. Um, and then, of course, being a bridge. As a captain, you need to be a bridge between the coaches and the players. And that's a really important kind of thing you have to balance, right, um, is still being all about supporting your teammates and your peers, but also understanding that the coaches are in your face for a reason, demanding more out of you for a reason. And so I think that's where I got a real good taste of it. And I had a great role model. Diane Jeppe Akins was an unbelievable role model as a coach because, you know, she would hug us when we needed it. She would kick our butts when we deserved it. And we just knew that she had our back and she was fun. And I really role modeled a lot of, or I tried to, you know, kind of emulate what Diane did. You can still have fun and coach with joy and be in your players' faces and hold them very accountable and hold them to high standards. But come hell or high water, they're going to know that you love them and that you're there for them. And so that was kind of how it happened for me. The accountability discipline piece of it all, I feel like at times particularly if you find yourself, you know, get lost in social media. I mean, it, it gets so misconstrued and, and, you know, there's bad stories out there about, you know, abuse and these types of things. But like, you know, when you talk about in your face and, 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 you know, kick your butt, quote unquote, I know what that means. Like, you know, people oftentimes will say, you know, chewing out is not good. I'm like, man, I've been chewed out many times, sometimes probably five times a week by my wife. Cause I need it. And, and, we need, <laughs> you know, I'm well deserving of it, but I mean, I had a guest on not, not too long ago who was Special Forces, um, United States Green Beret, and he, he talked in detail about, you know, you, you have to, he talks to his son who's, you know, middle schooler, and he's like, you have to listen to the words and not the, you know, not the tone of voice, but, but the message versus, you know, how it's amplified. You know, there are communicators that are louder, there are some that are softer, but it's about how do you, how do you get kids and even parents to understand it's about the message, not necessarily the delivery? Well, I tell you what, it's how you treat them every other minute that you inter interact with them. Because when I'm telling you that, you know, if Diane was in our face or she was holding us accountable, it was because we already had established our relationship with her. She already, every other minute of every other day, made it clear to us that she was holding us accountable because she believed in us. And that was the way I would do it. Whenever I was in my player's face, it wasn't chewing them out. It was looking them in the eyes and telling them, I know you can be better. I am holding you accountable because I know you can do better or you have more in you. And so I think it's, it's the fact with all the other time that you spend with your athletes as a coach, you are establishing that um, relationship that you need. So when there is time to pull them in and call them out and say, this is not good enough. I know you can give me better. I demand more from you right now. They know it's coming from a place of belief and a place of love because of all the other moments that you've interacted with them leading up to that point. So I think a lot of coaches have to be really careful and really rethink how they demand more from their players and how they hold their players accountable and how they maintain a discipline and order a structure. Um, it has to come from a place of love and quite frankly, joy. When you coach with joy and your players know that you're all in for them, no matter what this, you know, whether things are going sideways or not, when things do go sideways, and you need to buckle down or you need to call them out or you need to hold them accountable or you need to let them know, I absolutely need more from you because I know you can do it, because I believe in you, because I've seen you do this before. It, it also has to end, you know, the accountability piece or the in your face. It has to end with 
because I believe in you, sure. you know, because I know you can do better. And I think a lot of coaches, you know, are, are definitely, um, it's challenging. It is challenging because you got to be so careful not to let your frustrations take over the emotion of what's happening in the moment. I think a lot of times we forget to breathe and get ourselves to a neutral place when things are kind of going all over the place or a little sideways. And so as a reminder for me, and I got this from Diane, you know, she would say when things were really going horribly wrong and we would need to call a timeout or we needed to pull the group in at practice, she would look at me and she'd, she'd say, breathe. And I would take a deep breath in and she would do the same thing and the girls would come over and they would get in their huddle and she would make that eye contact. And then she would literally at, you know, maybe it's at the top of her lungs, impart the message that she needed to impart in that moment. But then she always, and I would try to always bring the kids in. We're touching hands. We are making sure that we are culminating with some sort of a let's go or we got this or together or family to bring us back to the fact that we can do this and we can do it together. So those relationships, right? I mean, you know, you get a freshman on campus and, you know, you had 29 years of this and I, I would imagine it's got to take time, right? So, so how much effort is put into, you know, for you to really try to find time to figure out what buttons to push? Like what makes them go into a shell? What makes them, you know, respond in a positive way? Like, do you spend like a concentrated amount of time, like with intent, really digging deep and trying to figure out the person that you're trying to coach to help them become the best player that they can? Well, I think you have to. And here's what's tough. You know, at the high school level or club level, you don't really have the kind of time that you have as a collegiate coach. So one of the many blessings that I had afforded to me as a collegiate coach is I had young women for four or five years. And not only that, but you start that relationship in the recruiting process. So in the recruiting process, Nick, is when we would ask a lot of questions, get to know the players, be able to spend time with them on the phone, over text message, check in on them with things. So that's where the relationship really starts at the collegiate level. But when you get them on campus, it was not just show up for practice, do our thing, and then get out of there. Like we would have academic meetings. We would sit with the girls and get to know them. We would always have kind of lacrosse and life meetings. I wrote a journal um, that after 23 years of coaching, I put so much of what I'd learned as a coach down in this lacrosse and life journal. And we would actually go through a lot of those pages individually with our girls, as well as in small groups and as a team. So yes, as college coaches, you absolutely, I mean, I literally got nothing done during the workday because I was always interacting with my players and I would come home at night and actually get my work done, right? Because that was the best part of my job. And that's what we would say to the girls, the best part of your day is coming to practice. But I do think that what's super cool about coaching is you've got 35 young women in front of you and they're all different. And they're all growing at a different rate and they're all building their self-confidence at a different rate. And so it takes a lot of time to do it right, to figure out, like you said, what buttons you can push. How do you motivate a young woman? What do you know will send her into not a good place? Um, and how do you avoid that? So I just, I literally was grateful every day for having the time and making those appointments or setting the time to set, you know, talk with the girls after the fall before the spring, over the winter break, after the spring, little kind of exit interviews after every year to give and get feedback. It was, it was awesome. Best part of the day. So you, you said that you knew, it seems like early on, you wanted to get into coaching. So I guess I want to find out is what was your why? Like what, what made you realize like, I, this is what I want to do. I mean, clearly you're an athlete. You, you love the, love the sport and all of that. But like, 
what moved you to, I mean, you did it for 29 years. I mean, that's a very long time and, and at a high level, but it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's anytime you're in leadership and I'm in leadership in my profession and, you know, and being a parent, I mean, for crying out loud, talk about yep. something that drags you through the mud day in, day out, beat you down at times. So there's a lot of joy there too. But I think if you're parenting right, it can, it's, it's hard because it's a constant yep. battle, you know, at times, um, especially as they get to be teenagers. So like, what was your why? What kept you in the fight? And, and did your did your why evolve as the years went on? Oh, my goodness. Such a great question. So I actually didn't know I wanted to get into coaching until Diane made me um, interview and basically um, accept the Hopkins job when it came available. What happened was I knew I could influence my teammates as a captain when I was playing sports. And I started to realize that in high school. And then it really um, kind of came to fruition. And, and I really kind of understood in college that I was able to uplift and inspire and influence and motivate and support my teammates. So I kind of knew that I loved being a part of a team and being in a leadership role on a team. What then happened was Diane asked me to be her assistant coach at Loyola back in the day. And for those first couple of years, I just thrived kind of watching her and being able to um, put those skills that I learned as a captain really to work in more of a leadership role as an assistant coach with Diane. But I still, um, I had been working at the Center for Professional Development at Loyola and I was, you know, kind of a coaching, but also had a foot in, you know, doing professional development for businesses and things like that. I just, I wasn't quite, I knew I loved coaching, but I didn't know that that was going to be my profession. And then um, Diane made me work the Bob Scott lacrosse camp at Gilman School. And um, Mr. Scott, you know, she would run the women's side and, and he was the legendary athletic director at Hopkins. Oh, I miss him every day. Um, and so Diane, this particular camp, I think I'd only coached with her for two years. Um, she said, you know what, Janine, I'm, I'm not really, I'm going to let you do all the teaching today. I'm really not kind of feeling it. Don't feel so hot. I want you to do all the teaching at camp. Well, I kind of wet my pants instantaneously. And I'm like, excuse me. And I mean, Mr. Scott, there was like, I felt like 2000 kids were there. And she goes, yeah, because we would group teach everything. The coaches would get up, do the teaching, and then we would send them off in their groups to do the, you know, the skill building and the repetition. So I did all the teaching for her for that particular camp. And that's how Mr. Scott, you know, basically got to Diane and said, you know, who's this? This is Janine Cormanic at the time was my name. And um, he was like, oh boy. And he had a position come up, um, you know, shortly after I'd gotten married and the position at Hopkins came open and went in and I was like, you know, I'm Janine Tucker, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, I know from my camps. And, and he said, we basically talked about the coaching position that was open, field hockey and lacrosse. And I just thought I was there to chat with him about the job. Um, and the next thing you know, he said, well, I, um, you're going to be my next coach. And I kind of lost all the color in my face. And I was like, uh, excuse me? And he was like, yep. He's like, um, I'm going to get your contract and you're going to be my next coach. And I said, uh, I was kind of like fumbling all over myself. And so I left his office. I kind of blacked out after that. And I called Diane right away. And I was like, die. And she said, you will take that job. I said, die. I've never been. You will. She didn't even let me finish. You will take that job. You will take that job and I will help you and I will support you and you will not fail. And you just need to be a free in who you are 
and you need to come up with your coaching philosophy. And I was like, oh my God, a coaching philosophy. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so um, I actually, she made me sit and think about the things that were important to me as a player. And I had come up with three things, um, attitude, mindset, and work ethic. And she said, okay, there you go. You're going to build everything you do around attitude, mindset, and work ethic. And I said, wait, you know, something else that's really important to me is like to play with joy. And she goes, okay, well, then you're going to coach with joy and you're going to encourage your players to play with joy. And it's all going to revolve around attitude, mindset, and work ethic. Go. And I was like, oh man. So I called Mr. Scott back the next day and I said, sir, I would be honored to accept this position as your head field hockey and lacrosse coach. And he said, all right, let's go. And then that was kind of the end of it. And then it was 29 years later. Um, and, you know, to that point, just to bring up Mr. Scott. So after he passed, Hopkins erected a bronze statue of him right outside of the Cordes Lacrosse Center. And that is one thing that I, I really, really, really miss. Um, every morning that I would come in and walk past Mr. Scott's statue to go to work. And every night when I would leave, I would always say, good morning, Bob, and good night, Bob. And so I do miss, because my, my new office, I'm still at Hopkins in the Office of Alumni Relations, and my new office is not right there, of course, by the field. Um, so that is something that I, I absolutely miss, is seeing Mr. Scott every day. You know, first of all, I can, you know, you're talking about joy, your passion, your enthusiasm is just, it's infectious and it's so obvious. Um, <laughs> I love it. And, you know, it's something that obviously is, is intrinsic. It's who you are, but there's a lot of folks out there who aspire to be coaches, who aspire to be leaders, um, and maybe don't have the same passion. Like, you know, from the early stages of coaching, you know, people see college football contracts and, and coaching contracts and multi, you know, I find it like in order to really achieve the best version of yourself, you can't chase, you know, monetary gains. You know, I feel like there has to be something more to it. And, and then if those monetary gains come as a result, then great. But doesn't it have to start with that passion of like, I really want to be in whatever it is, but particularly in something like coaching where I don't think it's all glitz and glamour when you're starting out. Like, doesn't it take a little, it's, it's, a, it's quite a bit of a grind from what I've understood. Oh, it, you know what? It is not easy. It's actually a, a very difficult profession because of the ups and downs, because you are essentially responsible for, you know, other people's children. You're responsible for influencing and molding and caring for and protecting and disciplining and inspiring other people's children. And, you know, it's something that to me, it feels like a very sacred kind of responsibility when you are a teacher, when you are a coach, um, because people are putting their trust and faith in you, in how you how you do impact and inspire their children. So I always took that very much to heart. Um, and I tried to handle my girls the way I would want someone treating my boys. So I have two boys, Ryan and Devin, um, both athletes, both played lacrosse and I always wanted to keep them in mind when I was working with my young women because I just wanted somebody to to try to take care of my boys um, and and hold them in um, high regard and respect them and challenge them and push them and love them through the sport that we love. So I think that's a really you're right. It's not easy. 
Um, it is the best job out there. It's such an incredible opportunity to influence young people and watch them, especially as a collegiate coach, where you can watch them over four, five, six years that you're influencing them or that you're interacting with them. And then they go take on the world. It is, it gives me chills talking about it right now. I'm so proud of the young women that I was, you know, blessed to influence and to coach over my 29 years. When we come back, Coach Tucker and I discuss why when recruiting, she looks for two people and one body. Before we go to break, I wanted to share another update with you from our friends at TeamSnap. On an earlier episode of this podcast, Peter Francillis, CEO of TeamSnap, shared how we saw technology evolving within the youth sports industry. While TeamSnap has been busy this summer expanding the capabilities and functionality of their industry-leading platform, they also recognize that change can be uncomfortable or simply overwhelming for some users. So to help support their platform users, both existing and newcomers, TeamSnap is hosting another free webinar called Beyond Basic Scheduling for Your Youth Sports Organization, a complete look into TeamSnap's master calendar. Join TeamSnap on Tuesday, August 29th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain Time to learn how to use TeamSnap's new master calendar for more than just your youth sports organization's basic scheduling needs. With the TeamSnap master calendar, administrators now have a centralized view of every team and season scheduled event for their organization. During this free webinar, you'll get a complete look into how to efficiently view, edit, and access your organization's team and season scheduled events within the new master calendar available on the all new TeamSnap for Business platform. Head to TeamSnap.com today and register for the free webinar Beyond Basic Scheduling for Your Youth Sports Organization on Tuesday, August 29th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back. Where we left off, Jeanine and I were about to talk about the importance of listening to your kids when they open up about their youth sports experiences. So as parents listen to this, you know, they're they're navigating this youth sports culture, which sure as hell has changed over the last 29 years. It's tough to navigate. It's tough to know who 
has your kid's best interest, right? Who is, you know, in it for the money grab or trying to get you to, you know, just look out for their own best interest. And it's really, it's really hard. And and a lot of people have limited options. There's travel clubs and all that, that you have to pay for. So parents have, I mean, to a certain degree, the power in that they can either sign their kid up and pay or not, but you're also limited. Like, how do you weed out the bad guys per se? Is there any, do you have any experience, you know, dealing with youth clubs? Are there any red flags that maybe, well, oftentimes we hear parents say, um, you know, people will try to pigeonhole you. They, they don't want you to play different sports. They, they want a full year round commitment. I know I see it all the time in baseball and I hear it all about all the time in soccer and it doesn't really matter the sport, but are there any red flags that parents should look out for? Like, Hey, that's probably a club that, you know, we should stay away from, or, you know, what would be some advice you'd give to parents how to navigate youth sports today? That's, that's a very challenging question. Um, and to be honest with you, sports in general, life in general, is not all sunshine and rainbows, right? So a lot of the difficult things that we have to handle um, as a parent of an athlete, um, that also is going to help kind of shape and mold and, and grow um, your, your kid. Right. And it happened for me with my two boys, you know, whether it's playing time, whether it's how to navigate a coach that's, you know, really demanding or maybe doesn't have the best delivery all the time or is a little more scary versus nurturing. Like all those experiences do go into helping to, you know, kind of mold and influence your child. But what I will say is if ever a parent is watching a coach interact with their son or daughter, and it doesn't feel right, or they're watching the behavior on the sidelines, or their you know kid is coming home and saying they don't want to go back to practice. I, I mean, it's worth a conversation, right? If it doesn't feel right or it doesn't seem right, I would encourage all moms and dads to talk to their son or daughter. Just have some conversations. You can't protect them from having their heart broken or not being a starter or you know um, messing up in a game and maybe the coach pulls them out. They're, they're all teachable moments. Sure. They're all really, really teachable moments. They don't feel good. Um, some feel downright awful. But as a mom, you know, you you can you can have a conversation and a dad. You have the conversations with your son or your daughter, and you can try to help them navigate it. What I would say is, if something doesn't feel healthy or doesn't feel right, um, I would look into it. I just wouldn't turn a blind eye and just drop your kid off at practice and leave. I would I would talk to your son or your daughter. Um, and, and let them, because that's really important too, is to have the ability to communicate with our children and, and have them trust us. Um, you know, I'd always say whenever the parents got really upset about something or whether it was playing time or whatever the case may be, I always reminded myself that we behave that way as parents for the love of our kid, right? And so I think that there are challenging coaches out there. I think there's some unhealthy things going on out there. I think that I fully support kids playing multiple sports. I think to specialize in something from six years old on is not the best idea because you really put your muscles and your body in a situation to get used to certain movements. And then when other movements enter into that phase, there are all kinds of injuries can happen. And I really believe my mom made us do everything, made us play every sport. And then we could pick the ones that we really liked, but I love multi-sport athletes. I'm an absolute advocate for multi-sport athletes. And I will tell you, my son, Ryan, um, was a very, very talented lacrosse player all through middle school and high school. Um, and at Gilman high school, you know, he was like, one of the you know, studs on the lacrosse team, but I will tell you, he played soccer and he was on the bench in soccer and he had to learn how to be a leader 
in both a, a starting role for lacrosse as well as coming off the bench and in a supporting player role. Best thing that could happen to him. And he really, um, you know, I was so proud of him. He was voted the best teammate in the MLL the year that he retired. And that award meant more to him than the the professional lacrosse championship that the Bayhawks won when he was with them. Um, you know, and so being able to learn how to be a great teammate through all the ups and downs. You know, parents, when your kids are going through really tough stuff, know that it's helping to, to you know, build their resilience, their grit, their perseverance. But if ever anything feels unhealthy or it just doesn't feel right, no matter what it is, I, I really think you've got to have a deeper conversation, look into it, and then make a decision if you need to, to make a change. That's such a good point. Um, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. It's balancing that, that line of discomfort versus, you know, allowing our kids, giving them the freedom to fail, giving them the space yep. to fail, encouraging them that like, hey, you're going to feel challenges and you're going to feel struggle and we're going to lean into that versus yep. we're going to run away, right? So let's take the, there's nothing unhealthy in the equation, but my kid is struggling because they aren't getting playing time or, yep. you know, uh, they, yeah, they feel like the coach is quote unquote screwing them over, you know, she's not giving me a chance here. She's not giving me a chance and yada, yada, yada. How do you handle that as a parent for you? Well, I'll tell you, you talk to your son or your daughter about what they're doing every day at practice. Are they showing up with a great attitude? Are they bringing positive energy? Are they bringing great body language? Are they hustling on every play? Are they asking questions so they can learn their craft? Are they putting in extra time outside of practice? Are they getting on the wall if they're a lacrosse player? Are they getting extra touches if they're a soccer player? Are they really investing in themselves and their growth? And then it's really important to have a conversation with your son or your daughter about the fact that at this point in your life, you may not be top dog or you may still be growing. You're learning the nuances of the sport. You've got to worry about your IQ. Do you truly understand the, you know, kind of what's happening on the field in front of you with your IQ? And you let them know that they're on a journey that this is not where they're going to stay. If they continue to put the time, energy, and effort in, they will grow in that sport, but they may not ever become one of the superstar starters. It depends on their athletic ability. It's okay to say, what else are you getting from this experience? What else are you getting by being on this team? What else is important to you when you show up every day and you get a workout in and you're with your teammates and you have that camaraderie and you go through the tough stuff together and you've made your best friends through this sport? I think it's really important to move away from playing time defines my kid. Playing time does not define your kid. What defines your kid is how they treat their teammates, how they treat other people, how confident are they becoming because of the things that they have to go through. You know, what value are they bringing in the classroom? What value are they bringing on the bus? Right. So I think that that's something where, you know, the playing time and, and it's it's oh, it's so yes, I know it's so important and it's really coveted. And I get that. I really do. But I think we also have to have conversations with our athletes as coaches and with our sons and daughters about what else are you getting by being on that team? How else is this a value add in your life? Right. And, and I think so them seeing that all the experiences that they're going through as an athlete in that particular sport, all the ups and downs, the playing time earned or the playing time taken away or whatever it may be, it's part of their journey. And it's what's going to end up helping them do life. Is and it I think okay? that's really important. Is it okay? Now, I'm, I'm asking you a question that I know the answer to for, for me and my kids and how I handle it. But if I had to bet what you're going to say, I think you will. But it's kind of like one of those, I'm putting it on a tee and I want to I hear you go bananas on it. 
is it okay to remind your kid, let's say that they're seventh and eighth grade, right? They're, they're, they're starting to, you know, the competitiveness is starting to pick up. Not everyone makes the team. You know, they're starting to get to, you know, just under 12, 13 or teenage years. They're thinking about high school sports and where, you know, you get cut, you know, type thing. It's like, is it okay to remind your kids? Like no one owes you anything. Like it's great to show up, but you don't just get like what you want strictly by being present. Like you do have to earn things. You have to work. You have to put in effort. And 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 being so much is like letting them know that you're not owed anything. Yeah, I think that, boy, is that a hard conversation to have with your kid, right? Especially depending on what age they are. But I think what we have to talk a lot about is what are you going to do next? Yep, that sucked. I think you got to acknowledge it. That sucked to get cut. That was a bummer. Well, what are you going to do about it? Do you like the sport enough to keep working? Do you want to get an extra trainer or do you want to get some extra reps in? Or do you want to play on a, a club team that'll help you, you know, get yourself where you need to be to try out for that JV or that varsity? I always love the story of Michael Jordan, you know, um, getting cut and all, you know, I tell you, it's like so many amazing athletes have failed right? So many people that have reached a real pinnacle in their their athletic career have also failed a lot. And I think that it's something where, no, you don't just, just by showing up, not everybody should get a trophy. I think what you can take from getting cut from those terrible losses, those really difficult challenges that you face, what we have to do is just talk about it. It's okay to let the kid cry if they got cut. But it's also okay to say, all right, we're not going to stay here. We're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. What do you want to do about it? I'll take you out in the backyard. I'll help you work with another trainer. I'll put some extra time in so we can watch some video together. Let's get back to having some fun with the sport. Let's try another sport. Sure. Maybe basketball isn't your sport. Let's try something else. Let's see if you like it, right? So I do think it's it's hard. Who likes to fail or get cut or miss the mark. None of us, no matter what age you are. But the more we're able to talk about the fact that that really hurt, that I'm sad. Yep. I hear you. But are we going to quit or are we going to keep working or keep fighting? Because they both hurt. It hurts to put the extra time in. It's really hard to put those extra reps in and it's hard to quit. But I think what you can get out of, you know, kind of showing that grit, that perseverance, talking to your youngster about, hey, that's a setback. But how can we actually set ourselves up for a little bit of a comeback now? What do you want to do differently? And I think that that's where we got to keep our young people knowing that keeping sports in their life, trying to get coaches to understand that even if you have, you know, young people on your team that aren't the superstars, that aren't maybe as athletic or as fast or as seasoned yet, they still need to have the sport in their life for their growth in so many other ways. And there's value to what they can bring to the team. Right. And so their attitude, we got to talk to them about that. Is it, is it positive? Is it something where you're going to keep up with your, your level of energy and your work ethic? Like all of those things mean so much later in life. But for me, it's, it's just moms and dads being able to have a really tough conversation. And I had it with my kids and it's literally like, yeah, boy, that was a bummer. That hurt and acknowledge it, you know, and don't point the finger and go blaming everybody else. You know, what's the coach's fault or it's this player's fault or it's that's fault. No, like point the finger inward and say, okay, what do we need to do? You want to try again? Yeah, mom, I want to try again. All right, let's go. Let's see how we can get some better workouts in. Let's get you some better equipment. Let's put some reps in. Let's, you know, set some different goals for yourself. Because a lot of times if kids are sitting around, you know, watching Netflix and expecting to keep making varsity when all their buddies are out there busting their butts and doing some extra things to get better and improve, you know, it's like there's the reality of, well, What'd you earn? 
And it's not easy. It's not. But I tell you, it's the grind and the grit that really help you persevere and that you can look back on any experience, no matter whether you're the superstar starter or the last person coming off that bench supporting your teammates when your name is called. Every single one of those players and everybody in between can look back and say, I found value in sticking out that sport or sticking with it or continuing to show up. I found value in that in so many other ways. Coach, you've done it for nearly three decades. And I'd love for you for the last couple of minutes here, kind of let parents and, and you know, youth athletes know, um, you know, some want to go play at Hopkins. Some, you know, may have wanted to go play for you. Like when these kids want to be recruited, they want to get on the radar. What are things that you would advise them to do to stand out, to get on a college coach's radar? And maybe, you know, back when you were coaching, which was only, for God's sakes, a year or so ago, you know, what were things that, that you would look for to want to bring into your program? And, and you would think that would probably other coaches would do the same. Well, I think that, you know, every coach is different. So that's such a great question. Um, and they look for different things. But for me, I always looked for a complete player. So basically, that was a, a young woman who was very willing to be coachable. Again, I told you those three things that were really important to me, attitude, mindset, and work ethic. And I would think about those things in the recruiting process as I was watching these athletes get after it and compete. I wanted great teammates. So I would not just watch what these athletes were doing on the field with their skill set but you watch them on the sideline. What kind of a teammate are they? If they're losing by 10, are they, you know, um, freaking out and, and being a, a, you know, a negative influence on their teammates or are they encouraging their teammates and not giving up and not quitting? I loved players who were vocal, who I could hear talking to their goalie or talking to their draw specialist and bringing them along. Um, obviously, you know, speed and, and skill and, strength, all those things are amazing. You you do want, you know, bigger, stronger, faster. Every coach wants that. But when you can find a raw athlete, a young woman who is, or a young man who is coachable, who has drive, who has that kind of competitive side to them, but they also know, I always would tell the girls that I was recruiting two people in one body, my on the field player and my off the field player. So my on the field player, I want to be absolutely like throwing bows. Let's get after it. Totally intense hardcore athlete, like I'm going to run you over to get that ball for my team, right? But off the field, I want a total love, just kind, compassionate, um, you know, intentional, big smile, wonderful teammate, all about lifting other people up. So it's kind of two people in one body, the on the field, like total badass and the off the field, total love, who's going to be amazing in our locker room and be a great leader. Um, and I believe you can have that. I think that you can kind of flip that switch um, once you step foot on that field or in that pool or on that court and you go to another place and that those competitive juices, boy, they kick in. But once you come off that field, you know, you've got a six year old who's waiting to get your autograph and you just lost in triple overtime. You are going to flip that switch back to that love of a role model and a love of an athlete that's going to bend down, look that six year old in the eyes hold back your tears because you're ready to like lose it since you just lost a triple overtime, but you sign her poster, you give her a smile, you thank her for coming. And then you take yourself to your locker room and do what you need to do. Coach Tucker, Janita, I freaking love it. I, I can talk to you forever. I can't, where can people, <laughs> where can people connect with you? Maybe, you know, find it, you know, just, just whatever they want to reach out to you and talk to you. Where, where can they find you? 
Oh, well, they could always email me. I'm Janine Tucker 20 at gmail.com. And then I do, I haven't really kept up with my little um, Tucker lacrosse Instagram, but Janine Tucker one is what I'm doing on Instagram, which is fun. Um, but anybody can email me whenever they want, um, reach out, you know, I just, I really love interacting and still coaching and I'm still traveling across the country and doing little workshops for teams and I love it. Um, so, and I love cheering for my Blue Jays. That's what's really cool. Still being at Hopkins, being able to cheer for my squad and coach Tim and his staff. It's just been a wonderful, awesome transition. Well, I love it. You got to keep, you got to get on the speaking circuit. You're freaking getting me, you're getting my competitive juices flowing right now. I cannot thank you enough for your time, coach. Sure, Nick. My pleasure. Absolutely. You take care of yourself. That's Janine Tucker, former women's lacrosse coach at Johns Hopkins University. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. For updates, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website by searching for the Reform Sports Project. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.